0: throughout the summer we're going to be um, we're going to be sharing that and this morning we have the amazing privilege of having pastor Joel and Tanisha with us from our Okotoks campus come on give them a big hand yeah come on up here Tanisha I just got to I just got to brag on these two for for a moment um, these guys are uh, amazing if you haven't met them and many of you have but if you haven't met them please meet them they're amazing Pastor, yeah, come on. Pastor Joel and Tanisha, they took over our our Okotoks campus in February, February 1, 2020. Does yep. <laughs> that date mark anything for anybody? They took over as pastors February 1, 2020. Three weeks later, there was a horrific car accident that... that killed three of our members of our congregation there. Two little ones and and a dad were killed in a car wreck. Um, So we had to do that funeral and that was a big shock and that pastoring a church through that devastation is one thing. And then March 2020 something happened. COVID. (laughs) And locked the church down for three months. And then after that we had a suicide. You had a baby in there somewhere? right in the middle of all that. Yeah. And yet, uh, come, uh, come on, like that's welcome to ministry, huh? Yeah. Like, good grief. And she's like, is it always like this? And I was like, <laughs> no, you, like, you, you got baptism by fire. Like, like that's crazy. Um, but in the midst of all that, our Okotoks campus is rocking. In fact, our Okotoks campus has grown the most out of all of our campuses in the last two years. Come on. and it's a lot to do with our leadership, and we are so, so proud. So give a warm, warm welcome to Pastor Tini Shashi so Awesome, love you.
1: Thank you. Oh, you guys. It is such a privilege to be able to share with you guys this morning. Um, We're really excited to be here. Pastor Kelly mentioned we have this like complex schedule that we were trying to work with, with people's holidays, but also our baby. And so we wanted to be able to come here before we have a baby and share with you. So thank you so much for having us and just being so welcoming. It's so good to be with you guys in person as one church. We've been going through this series called Let's Take Our Job Back, and Pastor Kelly's been talking a lot about the idea of what is the church's role? What are we supposed to do? What are we called to do? And why is this important? And as we've been going through this series, I've been taking some time to reflect on what does my church upbringing look like? What do I want my kids' church upbringing to look like? And these are good reflective questions. And I'll give you a little bit of perspective. Growing up for me, my family went to church every week. My mom um, was on staff at a church. We were there. We did all the like youth camp things and get togethers and different things. And there was a lesson that I heard often over and over again as a church kid. And it was honor your father and mother. And I always seemed to hear it when I was not doing it. That was the moment. I would be at youth group or something and I would be um, talking some smack about my parents and one of the leaders would be like, hey, you should honor your father and mother. And I needed to hear it and I needed to do it and it was true and it was important. Um, But I grew up hearing about honor just as that one way. Honor your father and mother. And what's interesting is that when we take something that God has given us and we only see it through one perspective or one filter instead of getting his full view, we can misuse what he's given us. So my lack of understanding around the word honor meant that my ability to take honor into other situations wasn't there and when we would hear the word honor it almost like i know for me it could almost be like this like cringy thing of oh that's obedience or that means i have to agree with everybody but that's not really what honor is and yet we can all feel this way this like inward cringe and it's not just in church right? We can go out into our society, out into our world, our workplaces, and the word honor comes up, and there's kind of this negative connotation around it. It's almost like a four-letter word. It's almost like a taboo kind of word, and somewhere it's been tainted, and we've got it wrong because it was something that God designed, that God intended, and we as humans have, have messed it up, We've, we've missed a few places and um, haven't brought it forward the way that I believe that God intended and the way that's going to help this next generation. So I want to be able to talk about it a little bit today because maybe you've only heard about it as one way or maybe you've only heard about it from a perspective that's unhealthy. But the Bible actually lists multiple ways that we're supposed to honor. And I'm going to share these verses with you guys. Second Peter 1.17 says, He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this is actually God giving Jesus honor, which is pretty cool. The next one is 1 Thessalonians four. and it says that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So now we're talking about our bodies and honor. That's another very distinct thing that goes beyond honoring our parents. Hebrews 13.4 says marriage should be honored by all. John 12.26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. This is another one that's really cool because this is actually talking about how God honors us when we serve him. Right? It's not just one way. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And this is another one that's not just speaking to we need to honor an authority figure or somebody Um, above us so to speak we're meant to honor each other it's not supposed to be one way it's supposed to be multiple ways and at parallel we often talk as a team about how we want to honor up down and all around it's not meant to be hey you need to honor me or you need to honor this person we need to honor everybody and when we do it speaks volumes so how did God design honor if we don't understand the purpose of honor we will kiss up and kick down as a response because honor in our mind will just be positioning ourselves a certain way to be received a certain way, which is manipulation. That's not honor. So we need to make sure that we have a good understanding of what honor is. I want to share a story from Mark 4 with you, starting in verse 25. And it says, And a woman was there, that's bold. Like, like for a woman to go up to a man in that time, that would have been boldness already. To reach out and touch him would be another level of boldness. But to believe that just being in his presence was going to have an impact on her is a confidence. It's a faith. It's a place of honor that is so distinct. The story continues and it says at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "Who touched my clothes?" And his disciples answered, "You see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask who touched me?" But Jesus came looking around to see what had, to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Her expectation of what was going to happen with Jesus was so high. She didn't have an appointment with him. She didn't stop to talk to him. She didn't ask him for prayer. She reached out and touched him with the expectation that this would make things better. Her view, her honor of Jesus was so incredibly high. And because of that, she experienced freedom and healing that she'd never been able to experience in those last 12 years. The following chapter, there's um, another cool story that kind of contrasts this well, and it's Mark 6, 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? So they're asking questions, and they're asking questions from a place of honor, from a place of amazement. This is good. This is a great place to start off in. And yet it quickly shifts, because in the next verse it says, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them and heal them. And he was amazed. At their lack of faith. Amazement so quickly shifted to familiarity with Jesus. They started to remember who he was and almost discredit him in their mind. Oh, this isn't a big deal. We know him. He's so and so. And they kind of downplayed it. And because of that, Jesus was in their own town, not able to do miracles that he had been doing everywhere else and they didn't get to experience Jesus fully. Can you imagine if we got so familiar with Jesus that in our own lives we didn't get to experience our relationship with him fully simply because we allowed ourselves to get familiar in a way with him that isn't like honor? That's terrible. And yet how quickly Does that happen in the relationships around us? Because we can see through the Bible that God didn't define honor to be one way, to just be up to an authority, but in a multiple direction type of relationship that we're supposed to be able to have honor in. And yet how quickly do we let those other relationships slide? Our workplace, our marriages, with our kids, I wanna share a concept called the honor slide with you guys today. Often we think about honor and the opposite of honor being dishonor, but it's actually division. And we wanna be able to go there a little bit today. So every relationship that you have should start off in a position of honor. It starts nice and high right at the top. And in church, that looks like we can come in, we can be excited. We're here early, we're getting our coffee, we're ready to worship, we're ready to go. This is the best. It's in my Instagram stories, and we're pumped. And that's when honor is high, right? You start a new job, and for the most part, like most of us start a new job, and we're excited. Right? This is going to advance my career. I can't believe I got this job. I can't believe this is happening. I wonder what time I need to leave for work. I wonder if I should get a new outfit. Do I need a new computer? Am I going to make a good impression? And we're thinking about all of these things because honor is high. And we want to show up well and we want to be intentional about it. We don't usually start a new job thinking, how many sick days can I get away with before they catch on? right? It starts with high honor. But next to that comes familiarity and it starts to slide. And familiarity is a hard one to catch because you often get familiar with someone or something after an extended period of time with them. And the problem with familiarity is that it's generally unrecognizable unless you're intentionally looking for it. So when I walk into a room and it's not too hot and it's not too cold and I just get there and it's comfortable, you don't really notice it. But a room that's hot, you notice right away. A room that's cold, you notice right away. And familiarity kind of sits in this lukewarm place that is hard to catch. But it's kind of like if you take that concept of being lukewarm and you have a bathtub, if you're sitting in a lukewarm bathtub, it's only getting colder unless you do something to make it hot again. It's going to keep sliding. It's going to keep getting colder. So familiarity is this idea that it gives you permission to say and do things that honor would never allow. So we can think about familiarity and think, well, isn't that a good thing? Shouldn't I be familiar with my spouse, my boss, my pastor, my kid's teacher, my kid's whatever that is? But it's, it's a distinct difference of like, now I'm saying things I'm doing things, I'm not saying things, I'm not doing things that honor wouldn't allow. It's not about being close or not close. It's just a comfortability that we can kind of get into. From there, we kind of move into contempt. And contempt is another one that on the outside, the people around you might not catch it because it comes back to you and your heart and what you're thinking. It's starting to think Why do they want me to do that? Why can't they do that? Well, they should just do this. Why do they really need me to drive them to the airport? They have money. Why can't they get the receptionist to do that job? Why do I have to do that job? Why do I have to be the one to come in early? Well, if I was in charge, I would do it this way. And contempt starts to creep in. You don't have to tell anybody, but it's there. And if you allow it to stay there and it keeps sliding, you're going to move into a place of dishonor. And dishonor doesn't mean that there's actually a lack of honor, but displaced honor. And it's that idea of this is my spouse, but that person does this thing for their spouse. You're honoring something, but you're not honoring what you're supposed to be honoring anymore. Or maybe it's, a situation with your boss and they handle the situation one way and you're like well if i was doing it and you move that honor to you if i was doing it i would do it this way and it's that moment where you're kind of the smartest person in the room in your own eyes and you've put that honor on you if you keep going it moves to division and the bible says that god hates those who sow division So here's a couple examples of that. Um, Honor with my spouse says, my spouse is a babe. I can't believe I'm married to this person. They are amazing. We're going to be married forever. I've got no (laughs) Yeah, you. Right? I've got eyes for nobody else. The honor is high. And then somewhere you slip into familiarity, and it's a date with the ball and chain. And maybe that's too harsh, but what about, like, ladies' night? When you go out with your girlfriends and the comments about your spouse aren't honoring? It's not limited to girls. Guys do it too, right? Like, but it's not great. It's that permission to say and do things that honor would never allow. And then you start to have contempt. Dishonor creeps in and you're seeing another person in another relationship, maybe you sleep with someone else, you've displaced that honor and that leads to division. We can see it with Adam and Eve. They got to walk through the Garden of Eden with God. That is an incredible thing that they would have got to experience and they got familiar with him. And somehow they gave themselves permission to second guess God. Well, why would he say we can't do that? Well, we should be able to do this. They moved the honor onto themselves. They made a decision that ended in division from that from the garden of Eden and changed their relationship with God. The opposite of honor is division. That's a big deal. But the enemy of honor is not division, it's familiarity. Because if we don't catch it at the beginning, it will slide. And if we're not intentional about it at the beginning, it will keep sliding. If we don't do something about it, it's going to end in division. And so with that, it's in those microscopic details that we start to experience the shift in our relationships from honor to familiarity, the ones that are so hard to catch. But how many times do we just ignore those little things and let them change the standard in our relationship with one another, in our relationship with the church, in our workplaces, in our relationship with Jesus? We just start to let things slide, lower the standard a little bit, and not bring honor in. So I believe that honor changes the game for us as a a church. When we talk about being rebuilders of cities and restorers of homes and let's take our job back, somehow we need to be distinct enough to be able to have a voice in those situations that people take notice. If we're lukewarm about it, if we're approaching it with familiarity, we're not going to have any, there's gonna be no reason for somebody to look at us and wonder what's different. But when we come into a situation with honor, especially in a culture that's like, oof, hands off, and we do it right, it's going to be noticed. I think about um, Queen Esther in the Bible and how she approached the king. She was able to get into that room because of honor. She approached that situation with honor, and she was able to save her people as a process or as a result. So if we want to be rebuilders of cities and restorers of homes, we need to figure out how are we bringing honor in? How are we building this in? So there's five things that I want to share with you that I think can help us catch things in that familiarity stage. The first one is guard your heart against entitlement. Entitlement is often where we see that contempt part come in. There are so many blessings in our life. And in Psalms 103 and three two, it says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. If we fail to look around and see where God is showing up for us and we just hit this place of entitled, well, I should have this and this should be happening for me, that's not honor. The second one is beware of the seduction of proximity. Proximity turns the fantastic into what's familiar, the wondrous moments into like whatever kind of moments, the awesome into average. Proximity isn't bad. We need to be close with one another. We're designed to have relationship. But it's taking that ownership in our mind of, am I still bringing honor in as I grow closer with this person? Number three is resist the temptation for apathy. So apathy is when we kind of get passive. And again, like being passive is going to show where we're sliding in our standards. Um, If you're able to be on time for work and late for a date night, you might have some apathy there. The same thing goes for church. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm I'm sure you guys are all on time for church all the time, but... We're just going to throw that out there and keep going. Number four is work against the urge to compare. Don't live in comparison with other people. It's not wise. Um, Look at what God has given you instead. When you start to compare, that's a sign of um, dishonor, like misplacing that honor. Number five is treat your words as the building blocks of honor. So the tongue has the power of life and death, and it's important for us to be thinking, what am I planting into my day? What am I sowing into my day? What am I bringing forward into my day? What am I building? Every interaction that you have is an opportunity to bring honor forward. There isn't one person that we can walk by and pass by and be like, nah, they don't need honor, right? So every single interaction is an opportunity. So how are we bringing it into our day? God is the ultimate creator of honor. He designed it. We get to be the architects of it. We get to take his plan and build it and put it into work, put it into be put it into practice. But to be an architect of honor doesn't mean just designing it. It means following through and taking that ownership. So that same concept of like you can plan for your wedding, you can show all the love and all the honor on your wedding day, but somebody's got to take, hopefully two somebody's. somebody's got to take ownership to bring honor forward. How does honor make things better in our relationships? If your spouse has to demand honor and respect, or if your boss has to demand honor and respect, it's probably a sign that you're already not in a healthy place there. But when we show up and we bring honor forward, all of a sudden we're gonna see different things open up. When you bring honor into your workplace, all of a sudden you're brought into more conversations. You're often brought into promotions. When you bring honor into your relationships, like with your spouse, now all of a sudden you're getting a better version of your spouse. You bring honor into the relationships with your kids and more doors open up for conversations. Every relationship gets better with honor. So how do we build that into the future? I am not good at golf, like not at all. Um, I tried it like twice and that was enough, probably forever. But I understand I understand the concept of it. I understand like the general position you've got to be in that you need to hit the ball that there's a hole like I get that part like mini golf is a good date night. But not being able to explain to somebody or model to somebody how something works means it stops with us. So when we think How are we building this into the future? How are we building this into the next generations? We need to think, not only do I tell my kids, do I tell people how to honor, but am I showing it? Am I modeling it? And the Bible doesn't say, tell a child the way that they should go. It says, train them up, right? In order to train them up, we actually need to have relationship with them, which is going to come with honor, and we need to be able to model it consistently because all the parents in the room, and I know there's a lot already because we had a bunch of child dedications, all the parents in the room know telling your child once, modeling it once, isn't enough to make it stick. We need to own it so much that it's so a part of who we are that they see that and start to take that on. And that's not exclusive to parents because I believe that all of us are called to bring honor forward. All of us are able to model honor. All of us can do more than just say, hey, honor. We can live it out. So how do we get this right as a church so that we can actually step into our world? Um, If you slam people on Facebook, in person, whatever, you're going to have a really hard time being able to speak into their life. Right? You can't reach those who you criticize. So you can't slam this group of people or a political party or a perspective and then expect them to hear what you have to say about Jesus. You need to approach that situation with honor. And then within the church, we need to be able to honor one another. If we don't have that, and we have dishonor or division or contempt. How much are we distracting those who are coming to seek Jesus? Right? We need to be able to bring honor forward because otherwise, we're going to have impact, but it's not going to be the love and impact that we're called to and desiring to have as parallel. Right? We need to be the owners of the right way to honor. There's a verse that we talked about earlier this year, and I want to be able to share it because I think it gives some good insight to how we can do this. Isaiah 58, 9 says, If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sin. So this is speaking to contempt and dishonor. Like, let's get rid of those. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, So this looks at putting it into action and expressing it. Honor isn't honor unless it's expressed. It it can't just be words. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. So that's good if we want to be able to go into dark places. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones, you'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. That's a solid promise to us, right? To be able to come out of our past with that, like that's huge. And then it closes with, you'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, Make the community livable again. Rebuilders of cities and restorers of homes. You can't honor without intentionality. It doesn't work. But what if we decided, hey, I could do that. I could find a way to honor this week. I could find a way to be able to take this into my workplace, into my relationship with Jesus, I could take a minute to check myself and see where have I let familiarity start to creep in. Every relationship gets better when we bring honor in. Today's takeaway is we need to be architects of honor in order to be rebuilders of cities and restorers of homes. So this starts with us. It starts in our own home. It starts in our own heart. There's no room for, I'll honor you if you honor me. We need to be able to rise above and honor regardless. And what would happen? What would happen if we got that right? In a world that says that honor is is bad, that it's wrong, what if we got it right and we were able to model the way to set ourselves apart to be able to take that into the next generation, to be able to walk into rooms just like Esther did and be able to claim ground in our cities and our communities for the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine? It would change completely. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the example of honor that you've given us. We thank you for the fact that even in our messiness, even where we get it wrong, that you honor us, that you teach us how to honor. God, as we go into this week, I just pray that we see the opportunities, that we see each interaction as an opportunity to bring honor forward, to be different, to be set apart, God, we thank you for the seeds that are being planted through each person here as they carry it out into their jobs, to their families. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, we wanna be able to give you the opportunity to do so. It's not about joining a church or even a religion, but it is starting the very best relationship that you could ever have with the person that loves you the most. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. So I'm gonna walk you through a prayer that does just that and I'd invite you to say it with me. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you died on the cross and rose three days later. And I ask you now to become my God, my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. I thank you that my past is past, that I can begin a new life with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.